You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Dave, how are you doing today? Not bad, Nick. How are you? I am fantastic. Good. It's a beautiful, Good. gloomy day here in Lansing, the oh. calm before the winter storm. Hopefully it's the I last know. winter storm, though. Kind of feels like spring out there today, but yeah, you're right. It's kind of like, you know, you know the, the radar is showing uh, some nastiness coming. That's so. right. But, Get our uh, podcast done early so we don't have to yeah, come in the office tomorrow, yeah. right? This time of year, though, yeah, you can you can feel a little bit better that maybe it, uh, maybe the weather's about to turn in our favor. There you go. So we've got a important topic, and that is talking about the Secure Act 2.0 and some of the changes that are probably going to affect some of our listeners. So we kind of cherry picked some of the things that we thought were the most important, but we'll certainly put up a checklist that outlines all of the different changes. But we're just going to highlight the ones that will probably affect most of our listeners. Job security, Nick. Job security. Job security. That's the like Secure it. Act 2.0 stands for. <laughs> Cong- Congress will keep changing things so that uh, so that we have new things to learn and explain to people. Indeed. So I, I, we didn't do a, as far as I can recall, a Secure Act 1 podcast. Um, but do you want to give us a little bit of background on what it is and where we're at, Dave? Yeah, well, Secure Act 1 made, made changes to the American uh, retirement system, if you will, overall. Mm-hmm. Moved the required minimum distribution age out from 70 and a half to 72 for people that hadn't reached that age yet. Um, made some adjustments to inherited IRAs to make up for it where the taxes weren't quite as lenient on those. A few other things. Those have been the most salient over the years. And uh, Secure Act 2.0 here, which... They talked about most of last year, but it was finally enacted like right at the end of end of 2022. One of the main things is, is that it moves required minimum distribution dates out again. So we just keep kicking the can on yeah. the, uh, the whole required minimum distribution yeah. deal, right? Yeah. Now, if you were born between 1951 and 1959, your required minimum distribution age will be 73. And so moved it out a little bit further. And then if you were born in 1960 or later, you don't have to start taking distributions from your IRA at 70 until 75. We should probably talk for a minute about required minimums because people seem to misunderstand them quite a bit. But essentially, when you reach these magical ages, if you've got pre-tax retirement accounts, if you put money in a 401k or money in a traditional IRA and it's been growing tax deferred, the IRS requires you to begin taking distributions from it at these ages. Mm-hmm. And it's it's based on a formula that's based on your age and the account value every year. So it changes a little bit every year. It's usually a much smaller amount than most people expect, but it's also just a minimum. So these delays pushing the date out really only applies if you're fortunate enough in your late 60s, early 70s to not need your retirement money right. to be able to keep delaying it. For our purposes, financial planning wise, the main thing it means to me is for folks that have some non-retirement assets and some IRA assets, it gives us a couple more years to be strategic about how we deal with those for tax purposes. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think kind of the big, you know, the kind of, you know, I don't want to speak for why Congress does their things the way <laughs> that they do, but my guess is that they wanted to give people a couple extra years so that they would have more money later on in, yeah. in, in a yeah. sense, securing their retirement by not forcing them to take distributions when they yeah. maybe didn't want to. It, again, it really only helps people that are fortunate enough to be able to not touch their IRAs right. or not take the minimums. So yeah, I don't, I, I'm not sure really what it accomplishes as far as securing our retirements go, mm-hmm. but it does give us as planners a little more flexibility. We'd rather have no minimums or low minimums instead of high early minimums, right? Sure. So just because it gives us more room to maneuver. Yeah. And another thing um, I'll kind of touch, I don't have to go into details, but one thing to consider as well is if you are one of those people that are lucky enough to not need those distributions, the longer you wait to take distributions, the more money you have in there, the higher your distributions will be. Mm-hmm. And that may cause tax issues later on in life too. So certainly right. something you want to think about from a planning standpoint of what does that mean for my future distributions and taxes? One school of thought is you should never pay taxes before you have to, right? Right. But another another school of thought is you want to keep your average tax rate lower rather than all of a sudden pay a whole bunch of taxes all at once. Yeah, for so sure. that's where some planning and maneuverability comes in. So another big change was the employer matching contributions. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are lucky enough to work for an employer who offers a match on your retirement plan... And they also have a Roth 401k option and the plan will allow for it. You should consider whether electing to have those matching contributions come in the form of Roth, meaning it's taxable as income now, but it is not taxed later. And depending on your tax situation, that might be a benefit to you in the long run. That's this. This was this one kind of caught me off guard, and I had to really think through how this would work. It kind of mm-hmm. surprised me. So traditionally, if your company had a Roth option for your contribution, let's say let's say you make a hundred thousand dollars, and you're putting three percent of your pay in as your employee contribution, and the company's matching three percent, mm-hmm. you would have. You could elect to have your three percent be done as a Roth contribution, right? So it, your your net your your pay for tax purposes stays at one hundred thousand dollars, but three thousand of it goes into a Roth four hundred one k that would be taxed as you know still part of your income now, but not taxed in retirement. But then the company's portion, their three percent, doesn't show up on any of your pay, but gets put into your four hundred one k as a pre-tax contribution. Right. So when their 3% comes out during retirement, you do pay tax on that. Right. Yep. Because they got a tax break on it. No one's paid tax on their 3%. So when you take right. it out in retirement, you pay tax. Now with mm-hmm. this new option, the way that would look, if you elected, you could say, hey, I want all of my money in Roth, their money and my money. So in that same scenario, if you had a $100,000 salary, your 3% would go in as Roth. You could elect to have the companies done as 3% into Roth, but then their 3% is going to get added to your gross pay for tax purposes. So your W-2 at the end of the year would say 103,000. You're Mm -hmm. going to pay a little more tax, but then that money 
that the company put in for you is then tax free in retirement. Right. And which I guess maybe I'm making it sound overcomplicated with that example, but that's the best way I can think of to illustrate it. No, I think that's good. And a couple of there, well, a couple of things that come to mind where it makes sense. If you're a young kid working and not making a ton of money right now, mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense to have that company match go into the yeah. Roth because you're probably not paying a whole lot of taxes on it anyways. Yep. So start people starting out, that should yes. be a huge benefit. Plus, then it's got a long time to compound tax-free. Right. And in retirement, you're going to get a lot more money out of that tax-free than you paid on, you fit tax on when you're 25 or 30 years for old. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That's really where it comes in handy. So, and then obviously there's going to be other scenarios if, you know, depending on your tax rate, if you plan on being in a higher tax rate during retirement, then obviously getting as much as you can into Roth makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Paying the taxes now versus later. Yeah. Um, So those are some kind of practical examples of that. And Mm -hmm. then, um, you know, I, I guess... Again, I'm going to try to guess why Congress does what they do, which is a (laughs) fool's errand, I suppose. But, you know, what we see a lot of in this Secure Act 2.0 is the use and more access to using Roth contributions, which Congress loves because they do not have to budget for that because it doesn't cost them anything. It's the future Congress that will have to worry about that. Yes, yes. (laughs) If it doesn't change the IRS's net taxes over the next 10 years, it's like a freebie for Congress right. has to do something now. So, but uh, that, that, you know, again, it adds some complexity and I don't like, when I think about this, I only have a very small handful of clients where I think, Hey, this, this is really going to be a good idea, but more flexibility in planning is always a good thing. I'm glad I'm glad to see him expand this flexibility, even if in the real world, it doesn't necessarily impact a lot of people we work with. So and, and this kind of goes right along with that, too, Dave. But now you can also make Roth contributions to a SEP or simple IRA. Mm-hmm. Yep. Traditionally, those have always had to be pre-tax and there was no Roth option added to those when it was added to 401k accounts. So that's a nice addition. Yeah, so the uh, the SEP and simple IRAs, you tip, typically we'll see these in small businesses. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of, you know, it's a nice option because there's defined rules and the costs are much lower than having a full-blown 401k plan. So mm-hmm. a lot of our small business owners will use these because it's, you know, like it says in the name, it's much simpler. Yes. Um, and simpler typically means less expensive. So it'll be a nice option to have Roth contributions as a part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if you're an employee of a smaller company that has a simple, you know, a lot of the business owners are looking for any tax deduction that they can get. And so it probably doesn't behoove many of them to do the Roth option, although if they had a bad year, it might. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly something, again, that adds more flexibility um, could be good for a lot of uh, people who are have those accounts through work to have yeah. another option for yeah. sure. So the next little bit of a big change that might impact our listeners is 529 plans. Yeah, this one, I thought this one was pretty interesting too. So 529 plans are for college savings. Mm-hmm. They let you put money away to grow for college and the earnings are tax-free as long as they're used for tuition. 
one of the things people worry about, although very few people end up having this problem, is what happens if I put too much money in a college savings plan? Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Which, unfortunately, we don't have too many people with that unfortunate problem, I guess. Right. And or if they had that problem, that'd be a fortunate problem, I guess. Yeah, that's but, always my joke for them, right? Like if your biggest concern is you have too much money because your kid got a scholarship or something, you should be celebrating. Yeah, yeah, you shouldn't yeah. be upset about it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, thinking about motives, I think the motive here was, you know, everybody is complaining to politicians about the cost of college. So I think the thought was that, well, we haven't talked about the rule yet. I should do that first, but that this would help make saving for college more palatable. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily make it more affordable, but it certainly incur- gives takes away one of the objections to putting money in a 529. Absolutely. So, without further ado, <laughs> what it does is it allows you the ability after college is paid for, if you have extra mm-hmm. money in a 529 plan, you can convert it into the beneficiary's Roth IRA, $6,500 a year and $35,000 over their lifetime per beneficiary. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's pretty sizable um, in terms of what you can do with those. And Mm -hmm. so if you, it just gives you another outlet if you have extra money in these, or if you're worried about putting too much in. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it because then you can just roll it into your kids or whoever the beneficiary is yeah. retirement plan, which is a great you're, deal. You're giving them a head start on retirement, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are some caveats. It, it's not that you can, it's not like a Roth conversion where it's unlimited. Again, mm-hmm. it, it they have to be, it's treated as their Roth contribution for the year. So if they were going to contribute to their Roth the the two can only total whatever the Roth limit is for that year. So 6,500. Um, so, but it's just another, again, more flexibility. It gives people peace of mind that, Hey, my worst case scenario is I'm giving my kid a head start on retirement. If, if we have more money in there than they, than they need. So I think that's a, a, a good option for a lot of people and, and will hopefully promote more people to put money in 529 plans. It's yeah. kind of the goal there. So, yeah. Um, the next one is kind of, yeah. you know, <laughs> good and bad, I guess, depending on how you look at it, but, uh, it's, it has to deal with, uh, high earners and their catch-up contributions. Yeah. So when we talk about catch-up contributions, those are extra 401k or, um, IRA contributions you're allowed to make if you're over age 50. Mm-hmm. So now traditionally, if you're over age 50, no questions asked, you could just do those. Yep. Now, if you make more than $145,000, you're still allowed to make the catch-up contributions, but they have to be treated as Roth contributions. Right. Which means you don't, you, you still pay tax on that money this year, but it gets to grow tax-free for retirement. This is interesting in... Uh, the overall context, again, I don't see it affecting a lot of our clients, mm-hmm. but um, it'll just be another thing to be cognizant of. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And, and one of the things that we talked about when this first came out too, Dave, is not every 401k plan has a Roth option. So if your 401k plan does not have a Roth option and you are in this group of people, 
you very well may not be able to make catch-up contributions. Yeah. So that is an interesting piece of this too. And I don't know that that's been answered yet. Yeah, I haven't heard definitively one way or the other. And my guess is that this will promote a lot more companies to have a Roth option. And they're yeah. much more popular now than they were even a couple of years ago. Yes, yes. Um, it's um, Most major companies now have a Roth option. And yeah. any company that started a 401k in the last 15 years, I think. But that said, it's going to be interesting to see what happens if there are plans that don't have a Roth option. Are they going to be forced to include one? Or are they going to have to tell those employees they can't make a contribution? A lot of times with these legal changes, you know, we see what's in the bill, but it takes the IRS a little while to issue how the rules are actually going to be enforced and take care of, you know, Congress doesn't think through all the practicality. Like they're, you know, they're not, they're, they don't have to sit at a client, sit at a desk with a client filling out paperwork. Right. Right. So, (laughs) so, so they have to wait for, for the practitioners of the world, whether it's financial planners or CPAs or whomever's handling, whatever the topic is to come back and say, wait a minute, you know, Mm -hmm. what happens in this scenario? So we'll, we'll see. I don't have a good read on that yet. Yeah, and I, I guess kind of the downside of this, is, as far as I see it, is a lot of people that are over that mark are typically towards the tail end of their career, getting closer mm-hmm. to retirement, peak earning years. And so having the ability to contribute more pre-tax typically makes a lot of sense for them because a lot of their incomes will go down mm-hmm. as they retire in the next couple of years. And so not being able to do those catch-up contributions and get that pre-tax will affect them somewhat in the short term. But again, it's one of those things where that's another source of income, right? Because Mm -hmm. what would have been a pre-tax contribution is now a Roth contribution. And so Mm -hmm. we can count that as income as far as the the budget is concerned. Yeah. Um, So an interesting change, something to look into. But like you said, Dave, not going to affect a ton of people. And um, another one that has kind of been, as far as I understand, piloted around for a while, but is now part of law, and that is an employer match on a student loan payment. I haven't seen any companies set this up officially yet, but um, allowing companies to match your student loan payments to help get student loan debt under control. Yeah, so it's one of those where a lot of, as if you're a young person, you've got a big student loan. It's kind of like, okay, do I pay my student loan or do I save for my retirement? I can't really do both. And so this is an option for them to be able to make their student loan payment and still have their employer put money into their retirement plan. And that will then allow them to start a retirement without having to make direct contributions but still be able to have a retirement because their employer would then match that. So um, it's an interesting take on the whole student loan thing. Um, Because, you know, obviously you don't ever want to choose between saving for retirement or student loans. That's not a great choice. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to be able to pay your student loan and still have a retirement plan started, um, it's got to be a good thing for a lot of people that are kind of in that space right now. So Mm -hmm. um, again, something that your employer would have to put into place too. Right. And it may be a little while before we see those actually get launched. Yeah. Um, You know, 
um, and, and to get the, the details worked out and how they're actually going to work. Right. But, uh, yeah. How they verify those there. things, all that yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. So, and then lastly, we also saw an expansion to the um, ABLE accounts. Do you want to yeah. explain for us, Dave, what an ABLE account is and what that changes? So, so an ABLE account, the easiest way to think about it, I think, is it's like a 529 plan in a way for um, for folks with disabilities that may... Essentially, it's a way for people to save for family members with disabilities when those savings might otherwise get in the way of government benefits. Yep. So like qualifying for social security disability means you have income and savings limits. Mm-hmm. And it was always tough for families with a, with a family member in that position to help those folks. Mm-hmm. Um, ABLE accounts were designed to kind of allow that savings without those disqualifications. But one of the old rules was, these haven't been around too long, but they're, they're a great tool for folks in that situation. Previously, they only applied if you were declared disabled before age 26, I believe. Yep. And they have changed that to be 46 instead of 26. Yeah. So that's that's a significant change because what that does is it allows able accounts to work for people like um, military veterans that may be yeah. declared disabled, you know, in their late twenties or thirties, you know, right. um, that otherwise would have been excluded from those. So I think that's a, a you know commendable expansion of that program. Yeah, I agree. Definitely a step in the right direction. You know, you don't, it's kind of, you're, you're always stuck between a rock and a hard place in a situation like that, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, do I help them out? But if I help them out, then all of a sudden they're going to benefit. Right, exactly. So yeah. how do we get around that? How do we make it fair? And these ABLE accounts have been a great way to do that. And yeah. I think the expansion of the age of that just makes a ton of sense, especially yeah. in a scenario like this. So yeah, yeah. I think that is all of our list, Dave. Anything else you'd like to add? Those are the highlights. Um, There's other stuff in the Secure Act 2.0. We kind of had to cherry pick the ones that we thought were more important for for today's Mm -hmm. discussion. And again, to just keep in mind, if you have questions, feel free to send them our way. But some of this stuff, you know, the devil's going to be in the details as companies change their plans and as the IRS establishes the rules. So on some of these, you know, there's, there's more to come for sure. Yeah. uh, You know, as we figure out how, how to do employer contributions as a Roth, for instance, but uh, feel free to ask us. We'll do the best we can to answer them. And, uh, and if you're uh, curious about other changes in the secure act, we will put up a chart of them that you can kind of see the highlights that is, you know, obviously you could go read the whole act, but um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess please. you'd be better off with the uh, the flow chart the we have in the show notes. notes. Yeah. So check that out. Email us at info at SRB Advisors if you have questions. And uh, Dave, as always, it's been a pleasure. It was fun, Nick. I'll talk to you later. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.
Productions.